0: First Peter four eight through eleven. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power. Forever and ever. Amen. All right, stay standing up and greet somebody next to you, if you will. Say hello. Tell them thankful. Slap them if they're asleep. <laughs> All right. Grant, good to see you. Okay, y'all have a seat as you feel welcome. We're so glad to have you today. Morning, Natalie. Morning, Harley. Mario, good to see you. Glad to have y'all today. I hope... um, Hope you've had a wonderful weekend. We did have a great day serving yesterday. I know so many of you would have liked to have been there. At Big lift day. There was just so many things going on, and and sometimes that's just the way it goes. Um, but we had a great day. We're able to serve and do do some. Wonderful things in some homes, and God always answers our prayer. We always pray for Big Leaf Day every year that God will send us somewhere we're needed. And he, of course, did that again, so thankful about that. Also want to mention this morning something that's new out in our foyer. So I see some of you checking your watch already, as if I I just started, (laughs) all right? Um, But uh, check something out in the foyer. Maybe you started your timer. I don't know if you time me every week. We have a podcast. I, I know how long it goes every week, so that's fine. It goes as long as it needs to. That's as long as it needs to. If somebody dies, they die. That's right? That's right. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, out in the foyer, a new thing I want to tell you all about. Super exciting. We have a grow board out there. It's out just above the coffee. Um, and what, what a grow board is, is we've got one area on that board uh, that is just all spiritual disciplines. If you want to learn more about how to fast, if you want to learn more about scripture meditation, if you want to learn how to study the Bible better, there's information out there. There's... there's um, there's eight different uh, 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 disciplines out there, uh, and so pick those up. We want we'll refill those as they go empty, and then the other side of the board has just eight different. Um, Bible reading plans and so you can pick those up If you want to read the Bible through in a year in 2022 There's a plan out there for you If you want to read the New Testament through in 90 days if you want to read the Bible through in 90 days Uh, it's out there. That's a that's a chunk It's about 16 chapters a day, but there's all kinds of reading plans Just a great way to grow be involved in disciplines and those things and so just want to make a note of that We'll say some more about that as we get going, but we're glad that you are here uh, This morning So I heard this story of a guy named Robert who was in business with his brother, and for Christmas this year, he received an amazing gift in this particular year. His brother and him had done pretty well in the year, and so his brother, since they were in partnership, brought and bought his brother a brand new Corvette. Robert loved driving this car. Brand new, it was red, it was fast, everything that a Corvette's supposed to do, and one day, he was leaving his office, and he came outside, and there was this young man, about 11, 12 years old, walking around the car, checking it out. And as Robert got close to the car, the young boy asked him, he said, is this your car? And Robert said, yeah, it is. You like it? And then unexpectedly, the little boy replied this way. He said, I love it. I wish I could give away a car like that. He said, what do you mean? The little boy said, well, where'd you get it? He said, my brother gave it to me. The little boy said, well, that's great. And he just kept staring at the car. So Robert ended up saying, well, this is a little off, off base, but do you want to ride? So the little boy said, yeah, let's get a ride. So they jumped in the car together. And they started going down the street. After a couple blocks, the little boy from the side, uh, from the passenger side said, stop, stop, stop. Robert stopped the car, little boy jumped out and went in front of the car, ran up into this house, it was off to the side of the street. After a minute or so, the little boy came out and he was pushing his younger brother that had muscular dystrophy, who was in a wheelchair, and he pushed his little brother up to the side of the car and he said, see that bud, that's the car I was telling you about, someday. I will buy you a car like this. Don't we all want to be a big brother like that? Last week, we continued into the second half of the book of Ephesians. We crossed the threshold from theology into practice. Chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians is Paul's identity, where he makes the case for what Jesus has done, that he has united all people under Messiah Jesus. Then in chapter four, he switches into practice. Because of this is who you are, let me show you how to live it. And he began last week with saying the number one thing that I want you to know about is to be united, to live in unity with each other, to strive for it, to be zealous for it. And today, as we jump into chapter or verses, chapter four, verses seven through sixteen, Paul is going to compel us to discover that unity comes and our witness comes through practicing the gifts that Jesus has given us. So today, what I'm going to pray for, I want to pray that the word of God may move us this morning to be brothers and sisters who want to give great gifts to our family and to our community. If you would, grab a hand of somebody next to you and pray. I want to pray for us. I'm going to pray for another church in town. And I do want to, I probably should have mentioned this weeks ago. I never kind of explained why on Sunday mornings I've been praying for other churches. Some of you have asked. Um, We pray for other churches, not because we agree with everything they may do. We pray because people gather in the name of Jesus and we want God's will to be done. And so that's the only reason. Just like I pray for family members that don't know Jesus, for God's will to be done. Just like I pray for my enemies, for God's will to be done. Just like I pray for anybody, for God's will to be done. So this morning, we're going to pray for our friends at the First Christian Church, as we have a few weeks ago. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need you. It seems that the world continues to pull so many of us away from you. And God, may we again today, may we, maybe for the first time, or maybe just for the 10th time or 100th time, get a new taste of you and, and, and discover once again why we, why we love you and why you love us and how good you are today, Father. And God, may we see inside of each of us that you haven't just gifted some of us, you have gifted all of us. And we pray that this scripture will come alive. That's all I know how to ask for that, Father, for my sermon. I want to get out of the way. I want your word to speak. Um, so humble me, Father. And, God, we pray for our friends and uh, loved ones over at the First Christian Church this morning as they meet. May your will be done. May you be blessed over there. And, uh, Father, may people come to know you in this city. God, we love you. and We give you this time. This is yours, Father. Let us focus on your word. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's jump right in. Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16. 1 through 6 is all about unity. You have all you need. One Lord, one faith, one hope, one baptism. One Lord and God and Father of all. And then he starts with this. He says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and he quotes Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ, this gift giver, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, when we exercise our gifts, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching in the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does. It's work. Paul writes some beautiful words saying, God, or Jesus the Christ has given gifts, and those gifts will come together to make Jesus visible all over the whole world. And they're to be exercised in the church. So I'm going to begin. Let's talk church. Church, does that sound good? Let's talk church. Because I want to mention something that I think... I'm part of this problem. I'm very much a part of this problem, but I want to mention it because some of us, maybe even many of us, probably not all of us, but many of us were taught a very narrow view of how church works. We were taught in unsaid ways that there are basically only two roles of church. There's only two ways to do giftedness and leadership in the church. You either lead from the front or you learn from the back. Now, I know that's an oversimplification, but we, as we do Sunday mornings, we have taught people that my role is either to be gifted up front and speak and share and pray and read and serve communion and maybe teach a Bible class, or if I can't or I'm unwilling or I don't feel gifted in those areas, then my only other role is to sit and learn from the back, and take it in. Now, again, an oversimplification, a broad stroke, but I think each of us know how much truth there is in this. We all feel it. The church of the modern day is more amassed with resources, and yet at the same time, unprepared, unable, and unequipped because we live in a church culture that has overvalued the stage and undervalued servanthood in every day. We are, in an honest sense, what I would say caged as a church by Sundays. We're in prison, and we have imprisoned ourselves because we have made Sundays the culmination of the Christian experience. That's why most of us will often skip on Sundays because we've said yes to everything else in the week. It is the culmination, and by the time we get to the culmination, we don't have enough energy to culminate. We're caged by Sundays, locked in of iron bars that language that has taught us that you go to church. When the truth is, we are the church. We have been shut in with other bars, generation after generation, that has taught unsp- unspoken hierarchies that kids and teens cannot lead until they reach a certain age. We teach that not through open language, but through week after week practice. We're locked up and we've thrown away the key by program development over people development. We uphold big events and people show up for that, but we, fare, we very rarely learn to disciple each other. We're isolated in the church of today by scorecards of people counting instead of people growing. I knew I wouldn't get many amens on that. And I will be the first to admit that I am part of the problem. I work hard for Sundays and often miss what Paul is doing in Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. Because what he's doing is flipping that upside down. He's sharing good news. He's saying to us that there is a solution. And Paul is pointing us in the right direction. And he does that in four easy movements. I'm just going to go through them very quickly today. Four movements. Um, processes that paul takes us through four little steps if you want to take us to say this is what it looks like to be gifted in the church and the first thing he says is this is christ has given gifts verse seven each to each of us grace has been given as christ jesus apportioned it now this is upside down paul is being subversive of the roman culture He is saying, our king gave gifts. Conquering kings never give gifts. Roman authorities, rulers, conquering kings, generals of the Roman order did not march into a city they conquered and gave gifts. Well, you say, well, Jake, I've read some Roman history. They did throw out bread. That's not what I'm talking about. What they did was show up to receive gifts, applause and adulation, to receive tribute and taxes and slaves. They were there to conquer. Paul flips this upside down. Our king, he says, when he conquered on the cross, when he, take, when he took his throne far above all rule and authority, chapter 2, and in chapter 4 here, to fill the whole universe, he came not to receive, but to give. And this gift that he has given is more than just salvation. And that's the second part of what Paul gets into. He says, not only Christ Jesus has given gifts, second, what he tells us here is you have received what we're going to call grace gifts from Jesus. Not some of us, all of us. These are grace gifts. Now, a little bit of work on this word. Paul interchangeably uses the word grace and gift in your New Testament. That's because they are basically the same word. Grace is the Greek word charis. And gift is the Greek word charisma. They are the same root word, grace gifts. And I want us to fix our minds and hearts on this. Let's lean into this. When you receive grace, what Paul is saying is you received grace as salvation, But in that gift of grace, you also received a gift to show the world, something to use to bless others with, something that makes a difference in the lives of others, a way to help the world be better. You've not only received grace in spite of your sin, you've received a gift of the Spirit to share with your community. In the world. Now I'm gonna date myself, but one of my favorite movies, and I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time, is Tom Hanks and Castaway. It's a great movie. I was excited a couple of years ago to get to share that with my boys and show them Castaway. Now they thought it was gonna be boring, but it was good, wasn't it, Coleman? Yeah, there we go. We got a head nod out of him. He's he's awake. All right. Now, this movie, of course, you guys know is about Tom Hanks as a, as a FedEx guy, right? And he's all about time, and he's all worried about delivery. And, of course, his plane goes down in a, in a hurricane-like storm in the middle of the ocean. And then, in the aftermath, most of the movie happens with him marooned and learning to survive on this deserted island. And it's not fun. And he barely gets by. But one of the major plot lines of the story is about the boxes that get washed up on the shore. One part of that plot line is that some of those boxes help him survive. He opens most of them, and he's got, he, he's got a pair of ice skates in there that help him cut open coconuts and do dentistry, right? I thought Brian took out one of my teeth the other day. He just hit me with an ice skate. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, he, he does all these things, right? But then he has, in the major plot line of this movie, he's got one box from West Texas, And it was shot right out here, right? You guys remember that? Some of you are like, I wasn't alive when Castor was filmed. I know, I'm dating myself. But this one box that he never opens, right? And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, sorry, I don't, we shouldn't do spoiler alerts that our movie is over 10 years old. But at the end of the movie, he finally delivers this one box, kind of completing the whole story. Now, if you've watched that movie, and there was even some parody commercials that came out after this, you probably wondered, well, what if that was the one box he didn't open and in that box was a sat phone, right? Or in that box was a knife and matches and a flashlight, and in that box was something that he really needed to survive or even escape from the island. And I bring that up because of this. Because we often, what we do is receive the gift of salvation from Jesus, but we never open the rest of it so that it can be a blessing to the world. This passage says you have received get grace gifts, grace that is a gift for the world. It'd be a terrible plot twist if Castaway finished with him arriving at that home out here by Booker or wherever it was, and the lady opened it and said, oh, my sat phone, right? <laughs> It'd be a terrible plot twist. Would have made the, made the movie very ironic and not very funny. But it's a terrible plot twist in the modern church that we are given the gift of salvation, but we never open it up to become the gift of the Spirit for the world. What this world needs and what this church needs is you exercising your gift. Christ Jesus has given gifts, and all of us, you all have received those gifts. Grace is not for salvation alone. Grace is an overflow to be a gift to the world. So Jesus has apportioned those gifts. You have received those gifts. And so what Paul also says is you are a gift. The third movement, he says this. We're going to read 11 through 15 again. He says, so Christ... Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. It's easy to remember that if you remember the acronym APEPT, A-P-E-P-T. Apostles, pastors, or uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? It's not that easy. I messed it up, right? He gave those things. To do what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. So He says, You have been given these gifts, and in short, you are a gift. Your gift makes the church look like Jesus. And when the church looks like Jesus, the world sees Jesus. You've been given this gift to build it up, to mature it. He gives us five gifts here. It's not a complete list of gifts. It's not an exhaustive list of gifts. I don't know why he mentions only these five here. But we know there's other gifts listed listed in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Peter 4. Some that the boys read just earlier. Paul doesn't mention those, but the point here is clear. What he's saying is, and please hear me, the church needs you. You are a gift to the church. You are part of the church, so the church can be Jesus to the world, so it can be Jesus to each other, so it can grow and it can mature. Now, one note on this is that sometimes in our giftedness, We start to believe that we're irreplaceable. That's not what he's saying. No one is irreplaceable. In fact, when we begin to see churches that way, what we do is we run out of context and we no longer are operating out of grace. We begin to operate out of power. The church, guys, is at its very best when just one or two people lead everything and tell everybody else what to do. No, 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 right? I was getting some looks there, right? Good, you are paying attention. No, what's Paul saying? The church is at its absolute best when every part of the body functions to bless the other. When we are using our gifts, no one is irreplaceable in the body of Christ. But guess what? Everyone is essential. No one is irreplaceable. Everyone is essential. And we have overvalued the stage and undervalued everyday discipleship. Now don't get me wrong and don't hear me wrong. This isn't a sermon about what what some of you may be thinking it is. This isn't a sermon about church attendance. When I was younger, I heard a lot of sermons about guilt and you better show up and you better be here. And if you don't show up, you're a bad Christian. It's not what I'm saying. Is church attendance the ultimate mark of a love for God and love for neighbor? No, it's not. Jesus didn't define it that way. He defined the ultimate uh, discipleship marker as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But is showing up and growing with other people as you learn to use your gift and as you grow in Christ a mark of a maturing Christian? Absolutely. In other words, should we be worried if people don't show up? Not as much as maybe we have been in the past, but should we be worried if people aren't using their giftedness? Absolutely. Because all of us are gifted, all of us are a gift to the church. You are a gift, and we cannot be who God has called us to be in Canadian without everybody else being a part. And fourth and finally, and this one I couldn't come up with a good term for, is that just church is a team. It's team sport. It's a team sport. It's more than Sunday, as our billboard says, going out of town. We have a billboard going out of town? We have a billboard going out of town. And it says more than Sundays. It's what our website says. Church is more than an event. Something more for us than just to consume and say, well, that was a decent sermon today, or I didn't really know that song. If that's what you did today, you are doing it wrong. Church is there for you to exercise your gift of grace to help somebody else mature as they help you mature. It is the body of Christ. It is a team. Our staff page on our website, in all trueness to the gospel, should have a picture of everybody. Who's the ministers at this church? Everybody who's been baptized into and has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It would be a long page, right? But that's in trueness what it should be. Who's a minister at this church? Anyone who is living out a relationship and has received giftedness from Jesus from young to old to in between. It is a humbling thing to remember that. And church, we need to remember that for our young people's sake. Just as a side note, I have no more measure because I get up here to speak of the Holy Spirit than does a sixth grade girl who has been baptized into Jesus Christ. We have the same measure of the Holy Spirit. Different gifts, same spirit. First Corinthians 12. We've got to live that out. The church grows when it gathers. It serves when it scatters. But Paul would say it's got to represent Jesus everywhere. That's this message. So what do we do with that? This may have came across a little more harsh than I wanted it to, and I apologize if it did. But I do want to provide solutions. I don't want to be part of the problem. I don't want to... God, I don't want to be a minister that just builds a, and leads a church and, and does the things I do and just makes us more caged by Sundays. I don't want that at all. I don't want my life to be summed up in, well, he worked really hard to make, make people pay attention to him for Sundays. What a waste of a life. I want to serve with you. I want to walk with you. I want you to help me follow Jesus as I help you follow Jesus. So what do we do? Well, I think here's where we start. I want to give some practical stuff. Here's what we do. It's really simple. On your app today and on the website starting today, and some of you got ahead because you look at the app throughout the week, is we have a spiritual gift assessment ready for you to go. We have, we, we have the access and the ability to take a spiritual gift assessment, and we want everybody to know where they're gifted. And you may have already taken these tests, and you may already know. I want you to take it again. I want you to get on there today. We don't have time to take it right now, and we don't want to do it in five minutes. We want you to take your time with it. But we want to as a church to start to learn where we're gifted so that we can know where to plug you in, and we can build disciples in this church of all ages. No one sits on the sidelines in this church. Nobody is supposed to be just out to pasture in this church. We're all to be working and growing together. And it begins with us asking questions. Okay, well, where am I? Gifted. So I want to encourage you and we'll encourage you over the next few weeks and into January to take this little assessment, to spend some time with it, pray over it, and then discover some things that you're good at. And then what we're hope to do is to start to use people in their giftedness. We can't lead unless we know how we're supposed to be leading and we can't serve unless we know how God has gifted us. And so I want to encourage you to be part of that. And I'll close with this story. Mike Mason, <laughs> you, you may have heard of Mike Mason. He has quite the resume. He's an African-American man uh, who's right at retirement age, 63, 64 years old. He was a captain in the Marines, retired from the Marines. Then after the Marines, he served in the FBI up until 2007, where he was so good at his job and so confident in his job that he was fourth in command at the FBI. Then after leaving the FBI and retiring there, he went to work as one of the chief operating officers at a large Fortune 500 company, multinational company. But this last year, he retired But when he went into retirement, it really just didn't suit him. He kept thinking, I still have something to offer. I still have something to give. My mind is still working really well. I still can do something. And so he polished up his resume and got it out there to find another job. And he turned his resume and he became a bus driver. Maybe the most overqualified bus driver in America. But he decided to polish up his resume because his school district in Virginia was 125 bus drivers short to start the fall semester this year. And he thought, I am retired. I can do something. And so he got his CDL, he got the job. And then when asked about being overqualified, here's what he said. He said, doesn't matter that I'm overqualified. I'm going to pour myself into this job. He waxes his bus once a week (laughs) so that it's the prettiest bus for the kids that he picks up, most of which have learning disabilities. But he also said this. He said, is this the mo-? somebody asked him, is this the most important role you've ever had? And he said, I think we need to get rid of the idea in our society that there are important jobs and unimportant jobs. Every job is important when you're part of something bigger than yourself. Man, there's wisdom in that statement. Mike Mason had climbed some pretty high leadership ladders. I think he teaches the church an important lesson what it means to be gifted is that it doesn't matter what my gift is I'm going to use it and give 100% to it because my Lord and Savior Jesus has given me grace and I want to share that grace gift with the world whether that's writing notes because you're good at encouragement, whether it's teaching kids' classes, whether it's greeting people outside, whether it's serving meals and taking meals to people as so many of you do so well, whether it's going, I don't know where I'm gifted, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to say yes to whatever I can. I had a friend do that a few years ago. Friend at Stillwater, he was not active in our church, and he decided for a New Year's resolution, he would say yes to every opportunity God sent his way, completely changed his life. And he found out where he was gifted. It might be that, or it may be that you don't know that you, know, that you could be a prayer warrior for Jesus. It may be that you don't know, that you may be an amazing middle school teacher. And you say, well, middle schoolers scare me. God usually works through our weakness. They scare me, too, and I did it for 15 years, and they still scare me, all right? High schoolers are okay. Middle schoolers, eh, right? But we use our gifts. May we be a church that isn't just doing Sundays, but that what we're doing is we've all had an aha, and we're living it out because we are gifted, and we've got somewhere to use it. I encourage you today to come forward if you need anything. If you don't pray about that and say, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like in my life. We want to pray about that. But more than that, I want to encourage you to take that test. So our shepherds can see that. So our deacons can see that. So our, our people that are in ministry can start to say, man, come alongside me. Let's walk this road. You may be good to work with Chaz on disaster relief. You might be real good at technology and Brandon could use you. You may be really good at men's or women's ministry. It may be anything, young and old. If you are a baptized believer, take that test, okay? We want you to take that test this week or over the next few, okay? All right, let's have a song. Let's stand and sing and praise God.